Volume two, chapter seventeen of Rob Roy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter seventeen. Dangle. Egad, I think the interpreter is the harder to be understood of the two. Critic. I had scarce given vent to my feelings in this paroxysm, ere was ashamed of my weakness. I remembered that I had been for some time endeavouring to regard Diana Vernon, when her idea intruded itself on my remembrance, as a friend, for whose welfare I should indeed always be anxious, but with whom I could have little further communication. But the almost unrepressed tenderness of her manner, joined to the romance of our sudden meeting where it was so little to have been expected, were circumstances which threw me entirely off my guard. I recovered, however, sooner than might have been expected, and without giving myself time accurately to examine my motives, I resumed the path on which I had been travelling when overtaken by this strange and unexpected apparition. I am not was my reflection, transgressing her injunctions so pathetically given, since I am but pursuing my own journey by the only open route. If I have succeeded in recovering my father's property, it still remains incumbent on me to see my Glasgow friend delivered from the situation in which he has involved himself on my account. Besides, what other place of rest can I obtain for the night, excepting at the little inn of Aberfoyle? They must also stop there, since it is impossible for travellers on horseback to go farther. Well, then, we shall meet again, meet for the last time, perhaps, but I shall see and hear her. I shall learn who this happy man is who exercises over her the authority of a husband. I shall learn if there remains, in the difficult course in which she seems engaged, any difficulties which my efforts may remove or aught that I can do, to express my gratitude for her generosity, for her disinterested friendship. As I reasoned thus with myself, colouring with every plausible pretext which occurred to my ingenuity, my passionate desire once more to see and converse with my cousin, I was suddenly hailed by a touch on the shoulder, and the deep voice of a Highlander, who walking still faster than I, though I was proceeding at a smart pace, accosted me with, "'A broad night, Mr. Osbaldistone. We have met at the mark hour before now.' There was no mistaking the tone of MacGregor. He had escaped the pursuit of his enemies, and was in full retreat to his own wild and to his adherents. He had also contrived to arm himself, probably at the house of some secret adherent, for he had a musket on his shoulder, and the usual highland weapons by his side. To have found myself alone with such a character in such a situation, and at this late hour in the evening, might not have been pleasant to me in any ordinary mood of mind, for, though habituated to think of Rob Roy in rather a friendly point of view, I will confess frankly that I never heard him speak but that it seemed to thrill my blood. The intonation of the mountaineers gives a habitual depth and hollowness to the sound of their words, 
owing to the guttural expression so common in their native language, and they usually speak with a good deal of emphasis. To these national peculiarities Rob Roy added a sort of hard indifference of accent and manner, expressive of a mind neither to be daunted nor surprised, nor affected by what passed before him, however dreadful, however sudden, however afflicting. Habitual danger, with unbounded confidence in his own strength and sagacity, had rendered him indifferent to fear, and the lawless and precarious life he led had blunted, though its dangers and errors had not destroyed, his feelings for others. And it was to be remembered that I had very lately seen the followers of this man commit a cruel slaughter on an unarmed and suppliant individual. Yet such was the state of my mind that I welcomed the company of the outlaw leader as a relief to my own overstrained and painful thoughts, and was not without hopes that through his means I might obtain some clue of guidance through the maze in which my fate had involved me. I therefore answered his greeting cordially, and congratulated him on his late escape in circumstances when escape seemed impossible. Aye, he replied, there is as much between the craig and the woody as there is between the cup and the lip. But my peril was less than you may think, being a stranger to this country. Of those that were summoned to take me, and to keep me, and to retake me again, there was a moiety, as cousin Nickel Jarvie calls it, that had nae will that I should be e'er taken, or kept it fast, or retain. And of t'other moiety, there was as half was fear to stir me, and so I had only like the fourth part of fifty or sixty men to deal with all. And enough too, I should think, replied I. I didna ken that, said he, but I ken that turn every ill-willer that I had among them out upon the green before the clucking of Aberfoyle, I would find them play with broadsword and target, one down and another come on. He now inquired into my adventures since we entered his country, and laughed heartily at my account of the battle we had in the inn, and at the exploits of the bailey with the red-hot poker. Let Glasgow flourish, he exclaimed. The curse of Cromwell on me, if I would hae wished better sport than to see cousin Nickel Jarvie since Inverex played like a sheep's head between a pair of tongs. But my cousin Jarvie, he added more gravely, has some gentleman's blood in his veins, although he has been unhappily bred up to a peaceful and mechanical craft which could not but blunt any pretty man's spirit. Ye may estimate the reason why I could not receive you at the clucking of Aberfoyle as I purposed. They had made a fine hose-net for me when I was absent ta a three days at Glasgow upon the king's business, but I think I broke up the league about their logs. They'll not be able to hound one clan against another as they hae done. I hope soon to see the day when our healing man will stand shither to shither. But uh, what he chanced next? I gave him an account of the arrival of Captain Thornton and his party, 
and the arrest of the bailey and myself under pretext of our being suspicious persons and upon his more special inquiry i recollected the officer had mentioned that besides my name sounding suspicious in his ears he had orders to secure an old and young person resembling our description this again moved the outlaw's risibility as men lives by bread he said the buzzards have mistaken my friend the bailey for his excellency and you for diana vernon Ugh, the most egregious night howlets miss vernon said i with hesitation and trembling for the answer does she still bear that name she passed but now along with a gentleman who seemed to use a style of authority ay ay answered rob she's under lawful authority now and full time for she was a daft hempy but she's a metal queen it's a pity his excellency is a thought elden the like of yourself or my son hamish would be mere sortable in point of years here then was a complete downfall of those castles of cards which my fancy had in despite of my reason so often amused herself with building although in truth i had scarcely anything else to expect since i could not suppose that diana could be travelling in such a country at such an hour with any but one who had a legal title to protect her i did not feel the blow less severely when it came and macgregor's voice urging me to pursue my story sounded in my ears without conveying any exact import to my mind ye are ill he said at length after he had spoken twice without receiving an answer this day's warrack has been o'er a muckle for an doubtless unused sick things the tone of kindness in which this was spoken recalling me to myself and to the necessities of my situation i continued my narrative as well as i could rob roy expressed a great exultation at the successful skirmish in the pass they say he observed that king's chaff is better than other folk's corn but i think that cannot be said to king's soldiers if they let themselves be beaten with the wheen old carls that are past fighting and barons that are no come tilt and wives with their rocks and distaffs the very wally dragles of the countryside and dougal gregor too oh, what i thought there had been his muggle saints in his tattypow it ne'er had a better covering than his ain shaggy hassock of hair but say away though i dread what's to come next for my helen's an incarnate devil when he broods up poor thing she has o'er muckle reason i observed as much delicacy as i could in communicating to him the usage we had received but i obviously saw the detail gave him great pain i would rather than a thousand merks he said that i had been at him to misguide strangers and for by all my ain natural cousin that had showed me sick kindness i would rather they had burned half the lennox in their folly but this comes of trusting women and their bairns that have neither measure nor reason in their dealings 
However, it's all owing to that dog of a gauger who betrayed me by pretending a message from your cousin Rashley to meet him on the king's affairs, whilk I thought was very like to be anent Garshatigen and a party of the Lennox declaring themselves for King James. Faith, but I kind I was clean beguiled when I heard the duke was there, and when I strapped the horse girth over my arms, I might have judged what was biding me. For I kenned your kinsman, being, we pardon, a slippery loon himself, is prone to employ those of his own kidney. I wish he may not have been at the bottom of the ploy himself. I thought the child Morris looked devilish queer when I determined he should remain a wood or hostage for my safe back coming, but I am come back, nay thanks to him or them that employed him, and the question is how the collected lean is to win back himself. I promise him it will not be without a ransom. Morris, said I, has already paid the last ransom which mortal man can owe. Eh? What? exclaimed my companion hastily. What do you say? I trust it was in the skirmish he was killed. He was slain in cold blood after the fight was over, Mr. Campbell. Cold blood? Damnation! he said, muttering betwixt his teeth. I'll fell that, sir. Speak out, sir. And do not, Mister or Campbell, me. My feet is on my native heath, and my name is MacGregor. His passions were obviously irritated, but without noticing the rudeness of his tone, I gave him a short and distinct account of the death of Morris. He struck the butt of his gun with great vehemence against the ground, and broke out, I vow to God, such a deed might make one forswear a kin, clan, country, wife, and bairns, and yet the villain wrought long for it. And what is the difference between warsling below the water with a stain about your neck and wavering in the wind with a tether round it? It's but choking after all, and he drees the doom he idled for me. I could have wished, though, they had a rather putin' a bull through him, or a dark, that the fashion of removing him will give rise to money idle clavers. But every white has his weird, and we mourn ah day when our day comes, and nobody will deny that Helen MacGregor has deep wrongs to avenge. So saying, he seemed to dismiss the theme altogether from his mind, and proceeded to inquire how I got free from the party in whose hands he had seen me. My story was soon told, and I added the episode of my having recovered the papers of my father, though I dared not trust my voice to name the name of Diana. "'I was sure you would get them,' said MacGregor. "'The letter you brought me contained His Excellency's pleasure to that effect.' and nae doot it was my will to have aided in it. And I asked ye up into this glen on the very errand. But it's like his excellency has forgathered with Rashley sooner than I expected. The first part of this answer was what most forcibly struck me. Was the letter I brought you then from this person you call his excellency? 
"'Who is he, and what is his rank and proper name?' "'I am thinking,' said MacGregor, "'that since ye dinna ken them already, "'they cannot be a muckle consequence to you, "'and say, so I shall see naething on that score, "'but will he what the letter was for his ain hand, "'or, having a sort the business of my ain on my hands, "'being as ye will may see, "'just as much as I can fairly manage,' I can't say it would have fashed myself so muckle about the matter. I now recollected the lights seen in the library, the various circumstances which had excited my jealousy, the glove, the agitation of the tapestry which covered the secret passage from Rashley's apartment, and above all, I recollected that Diana retired in order to write, as I then thought, the billet to which I was to have recourse in case of the last necessity. Her hours then were not spent in solitude, but in listening to the addresses of some desperate agent of Jacobitical treason, who was a secret resident within the mansion of her uncle. Other young women have sold themselves for gold, or suffered themselves to be seduced from their first love from vanity, but Diana had sacrificed my affections and her own to partake the fortunes of some desperate adventurer to seek the haunts of freebooters through midnight deserts, with no better hopes of rank or fortune than that mimicry of both, which the mock courts of the Stuarts at Saint-Germain had in their power to bestow. I will see her, I said internally, if it be possible once more. I will argue with her as a friend, as a kinsman, on the risk she is incurring and I will facilitate her retreat to France, where she may, with more comfort and propriety, as well as safety, abide the issue of the turmoils which the political trepanner to whom she has united her fate is doubtless busied in putting into motion. I conclude, then, I said to MacGregor, after about five minutes' silence on both sides, that His Excellency, since you give me no other name for him, was residing in a Spalderstone Hall at the same time with myself, to be sure, to be sure, and in the young lady's apartment, as best reason was. This gratuitous information was adding gall to bitterness. But few, added MacGregor, kenned he was daring there, save Rashley and Sir Hildebrand, for ye were out of the question, and the young lads hain a wit enough to call the cat frae the cream. But it's a bra old-fashioned house, and what I especially admire is the abundance of holes and bars and concealments. Ye could put twenty or thirty men in a corner, and a family might live a week without finding them out. Wilk nae doubt may on occasion be a special convenience. I wish we had the like of a Spallerstone Hall and the Brazer Craig Royston, but we maun gar woods and caves save the like of us pair of Highland bodies. I suppose his excellency, said I, was privy to the first accident which befell. I could not help hesitating a moment. Ye be going to say Morris, said Rob Roy coolly, for he was too much accustomed to deeds of violence for the agitation he had at first expressed to be of long continuance. I used to laugh heartily at that reek, but I'll hardly hae the heart to do it again since the ill-fired accident at the loch. Na, na, he is excellently kind no o' that ploy. It was all managed atween Rashley and myself. But the sport that came after, 
and rashly shipped of turning the suspicion of himself upon you that he had no great favourite for the beginning and then miss die she maun hae a sweep up all a spider's webs again and set you out to the justice's claws and then the frightened craven morris that was scared out of his seven senses by seeing the real man when he was charging the innocent stranger and the gowk of a clerk and the drunken call of a justice a honnohun many a laugh that job's gain me and no all i can do for the poor devil is get some messes said for his soul may i ask said i how miss vernon came to have so much influence over rashleigh and his accomplices as to derange your projected plan mine it was none of mine no man can say i ever laid my burden on other folks shoulders it was a rashleigh's doings but undoubtedly she had great influence with us both on account of his excellency's affection as well as that she kenned far over money secrets to be lightly in a matter of that kind deal take him he ejaculated by way of summing up that gives women either secret to keep or power to abuse fools shouldna hae chapping sticks we were now within a quarter of a mile from the village when three highlanders springing upon us with presented arms commanded us to stand and tell our business the single word gregarach in the deep and commanding voice of my companion was answered by a shout or rather yell of joyful recognition one throwing down his firelock clasped his leader so fast round the knees that he was unable to extricate himself muttering at the same time a torrent of gallic gratulation which every now and then rose into a sort of scream of gladness the two others after the first howling was over set off literally with a speed of deers contending which should first carry to the village which a strong party of the macgregors now occupied the joyful news of rob roy's escape and return the intelligence excited such shouts of jubilation that the very hills rang again and young and old men women and children without distinction of sex or age came running down the vale to meet us with all the tumultuous speed and clamour of a mountain torrent when i heard the rushing noise and yells of this joyful multitude approach us i thought it a fitting precaution to remind macgregor that i was a stranger and under his protection he accordingly held me fast by the hand while the assemblage crowded around him with such shouts of devoted attachment and joy at his return as were really affecting nor did he extend to his followers what all eagerly sought the grasp namely of his hand until he had made them understand that i was to be kindly and carefully used the mandate of the sultan of delhi could not have been more promptly obeyed indeed i now sustained nearly as much inconvenience from their well-meant attentions as formerly from their rudeness they would hardly allow the friend of their leader to walk upon his own legs so earnest were they in affording me support and assistance upon the way and at length taking advantage of a slight stumble which i made over a stone which the press did not permit me to avoid 
they fairly seized upon me and bore me in their arms in triumph towards Mrs. McAlpine's. On arrival before her hospitable wigwam, I found power and popularity had its inconveniences in the highlands, as everywhere else, for before MacGregor could be permitted to enter the house where he was to obtain rest and refreshment, he was obliged to relate the story of his escape at least a dozen times over, as I was told by an officious old man, who chose to translate it at least as often for my edification, and to whom I was in policy obliged to seem to pay a decent degree of attention. The audience being at length satisfied, group after group departed to take their bed upon the heath, or in the neighbouring huts, some cursing the duke and Garshatterton, some lamenting the probable danger of Ewan of Briglands, incurred by his friendship to MacGregor, but all agreeing that the escape of Rob Roy himself lost nothing in comparison with the exploit of any one of their chiefs since the days of Dougal Chair, the founder of his line. The friendly outlaw, now taking me by the arm, conducted me into the interior of the hut. My eyes roved round its smoky recesses in quest of Diana and her companion, but they were nowhere to be seen, and I felt as if to make inquiries might betray some secret motives which were best concealed. The only known countenance upon which my eyes rested was that of the bailey, who, seated on a stool by the fireside, received with a sort of reserved dignity the welcomes of Rob Roy, the apologies which he made for his indifferent accommodation, and his inquiries after his health. "'I am pretty well, kinsman,' said the bailey. "'Indifferent well, I thank ye, and for accommodations, and can expect to carry about the south market at his tail, as a snail does his cape, and I'm blithe that ye had gotten out of the hands of your unfriends.' "'Weel, weel, then,' answered Roy, "'what is it ails ye, mon? "'All's weel that ends weel. "'The wild will last our day. "'Come, take a copper brandy. "'Your father the deacon could take in at an other time.' "'It might be he might do say Robin after fatigue, "'bilk has been my lot more ways than in this day. "'But,' he continued, slowly filling up a little wooden stoop, which might hold about three glasses. He was a moderate man of his beaker, as I am myself. Here's wassing health to ye, Robin. A sip. And your wheel fare here and hereafter. Another taste. And also to my cousin Helen, and to ye ta hopeful lads, of whom mere anon. So saying, he drank up the contents of the cup with great gravity and deliberation, while MacGregor winked aside to me as if in ridicule of the air of wisdom and superior authority which the bailey assumed towards him in the intercourse, and which he exercised when Rob was at the head of his armed clan, in full as great, or a greater degree, than when he was at the bailey's mercy in the tollbooth of Glasgow. It seemed to me that MacGregor wished me, as a stranger, to understand that if he submitted to the tone which his kinsman assumed, 
it was partly out of deference to the rites of hospitality but still more for the jest's sake as the bailie set down his cup he recognised me and giving me a cordial welcome on my return he waived farther communication with me for the present i will speak to your matters anon and maun begin as in reason with those of my kinsmen i presume robin there's neighbour here will carry out what i'm going to say to the town council or elsewhere to my prejudice or to yours make yourself easy on that head cousin nicol answered macgregor the tie half of the gillies will na ken what ye say and the t'other will na care besides that i would stir the tongue out to the head o' any o' them that should presume to say o'er again any speech held with me in their presence ah well sick being the case and mr osbaldistone here being a prudent youth and a safe friend i shall plainly tell ye ye are breeding up your family to gang in ill get then clearing his voice with a preliminary hem he addressed his kinsman checking as malvolio proposed to do when seated in his state his familiar style with an austere regard of control ye ken yourself ye hold late by the law and fair my cousin helen for by the her reception o me this blessed day whilk i excuse on account of perturbation of mind was mickle on the north side a friendly i say outputting this personal reason of complaint i hate that to say o your wife say nothing of her kinsman said rob in a grave and stern voice but what is fitting a friend to say and her husband to hear of me you are welcome to say your full pleasure i will i will said the bailie somewhat disconcerted we shall let that be a passover i didn't approve of making mischief in families but here are your ta sons hamish and robin will signifies as i'm gain to understand james and robert i trust you will call them so in future there comes nae good hamishes and irishins and anguses except that they're the names in i chances to see in the indictments at the western surrogates for cow-lifting at the instance of his majesty's advocate for his majesty's interest aweel but the tall lads as i was saying they haena seen muckle as the ordinary grounds mon of liberal education they dinna ken the very multiplication table itself whilk is a writ of all useful knowledge and they did naething but laugh and fleer at me when i told them my mind on their ignorance it's my belief they can neither read write nor cipher if sic a thing could be believed or ends in connections in a christian land if they could kinsman said macgregor with great indifference their learning must have come a free will for where the deal was i to get them a teacher 
would ye hae had me put on the gate of your divinity hall at glasgow college won't it a tutor for rob roy's bairns no kinsman replied mr jarvie but ye might have seen the lads while they could i learned the fear of god and the usages of civilised creatures they are as ignorant as the kylos ye used to drive to market with the very english chills that ye sold them to and can do naething whatever to purpose oh answered rob hamish can bring down a black cock when he's on the wing with a single bullet and rob can drive a turk through a two-inch board say muckle ware for them cousin say muckle ware for them both answered the glasgow merchant in a tone of great decision and they care naething better than that they had better no ken that neither tell me yourself rob what has all this cutting and stopping and shooting and driving of drugs whether the human flesh or for tears doing for yourself and when are ye a happier man at the tale of your night bestial when ye were in an honest calling than ever ye have been since at the head of ye head and cairns and gully grasses i observed that macgregor while his well-meaning kinsman spoke to him in this manner turned and writhed his body like a man who indeed suffers pain but is determined no groan shall escape his lips and i longed for an opportunity to interrupt the well-meant but as it was obvious to me quite mistaken strain in which jarvie addressed this extraordinary person the dialogue however came to an end without my interference and sir said the bailie i have been thinking rob that as it may be ye are over the deep in the black book to win a pardon and over old to mend yourself that it would be a pity to bring up ta hopeful lads to seek a godless trade as ye ain and i would blithely take them for prentices at the loom as i began myself and my father the deacon afore me though praise to the giver i only trade new as wholesale dealer and and he saw a storm gathering on rob's brow which probably induced him to throw in as a sweetener of an obnoxious proposition what he had reserved to crown his own generosity had it been embraced as an acceptable one and a robin lad ye needna look sae gloom for i'll play the prentice fee and never plague you for the thousand merricks neither jed mille diawl hundred thousand devils exclaimed rob rising and striding through the hut my sons of weavers mille molly cart but i would see every loom in glasgow beam traddles and shutters burnt in hellfire sooner with some difficulty i made the bailey who was preparing a reply comprehend the risk and impropriety of pressing our host on this topic and in a minute he recovered or reassumed his serenity of temper but ye mean well ye mean well said he so give me your hand nicol and if ever i 
put my son's apprentice, I will give you the refusal of them. And, as you say, there's a thousand marks to be settled between us. Here, Erashin Macanalisty, bring me my sporin. The person he addressed, a tall, strong mountaineer, who seemed to act as MacGregor's lieutenant, brought from some place of safety a large leathern pouch, such as highlanders of rank wear before them when in full dress, made of the skin of the sea-otter, richly garnished with silver ornaments and studs. I advise no man to attempt opening this sporran till he has my secret, said Rob Roy, and then twisting one button in one direction and another in another, pulling one stud upward and pressing another downward. The mouth of the purse, which is bound with massive silver plate, opened and gave admittance to his hand. He made me remark, as if to break short the subject on which Bailey Jarvey had spoken, that a small steel pistol was concealed within the purse, the trigger of which was connected with the mounting, and made part of the machinery, so that the weapon would certainly be discharged, and in all probability its contents lodged in the person of any one, who, being unacquainted with the secret, should tamper with the lock which secured his treasure. This, said he, touching the pistol, this is the keeper of my privy purse. The simplicity of the contrivance to secure a furred pouch, which could have been ripped open without any attempt on the spring, reminded me of the verses in the Odyssey, where Ulysses, in a yet ruder age, is content to secure his property by casting a curious and involved complication of cordage around the sea-chest in which it was deposited. The bailey put on his spectacles to examine the mechanism, and when he had done, returned it with a smile and a sigh, observing, "Ah, oh, Rob, had either folk's purses been as weel guarded, I doubt if your sparrin would hae been as weel filled as it kaithes to be by the weight. Never mind, kinsman," said Rob, laughing. It will aye open for a friend's necessity, or to pay a just due. And here, he added, pulling out a rouleau of gold, here is your ten hundred merics. Count them, and see that you are full and justly paid. Mr. Jarvie took the money in silence, and, weighing it in his hand for an instant, laid it on the table and replied, Rob, I canna take it. I donna intermit wi' it. They can ne good come out. I have seen over well the day what sort of a gate your gold is made in. Ill got gear ne'er prosper, and to be plain wi' ye, I winna meddle wit. It leaks as there might be blood on't. Throat sure, said the outlaw, affecting an indifference which perhaps he did not altogether feel. It's good French goat, and ne'er was in Scotchman's pouch before mine. Look at them, man. They are all Louis d'or, bright and bonny as the day they were kind. The war, the war, just see muckle the war, Robin, replied the bailey, averting his eyes from the money, though, like Caesar on the Lupercal, his fingers seemed to itch for it. But rebellion is war than witchcraft, or robbery either. 
there's gospel warrant for it never mind the warrant kinsman said the freebooter you come by the gold honestly and in payment of a just debt it came from the one king ye may give it to the other if ye like and it will just serve for a weakening of the enemy and in the point where poor king james is weakest too for god knows he has hands and hearts enough but i doubt he wants the silver he'll no get money highlanders then robin said mr jarvie as again replacing his spectacles on his nose he undid the rouleau and began to count its contents nor lowlanders neither said macgregor arching his eyebrow and as he looked at me directing a glance towards mr jarvie who all unconscious of the ridicule weighed each piece with habitual scrupulosity and having told twice over the sum which amounted to the discharge of his debt principal and interest he returned three pieces to buy his kinswoman a gown as he expressed himself and a brace more for the tar barons as he called them requesting they might buy anything they liked with them except gunpowder the highlander stared at his kinsman's unexpected generosity but courteously accepted his gift which he deposited for the time in his well-secured pouch the bailey next produced the original bond for the debt on the back of which he had written a formal discharge which having subscribed himself he requested me to sign as a witness i did so and bailey jarvie was looking anxiously around for another the scottish law requiring the subscription of two witnesses to validate either a bond or acquittance you will hardly find a man that can write save ourselves within these three miles said rob but i'll settle the matter as easily and taking the paper from before his kinsman he threw it in the fire bailey jarvie stared in his turn but his kinsman continued that's a healing settlements of accounts the time might come cousin were i to keep all these charges on discharges that friends might be brought into trouble for having dealt with me the bailie attempted no reply to this argument and our supper now appeared in a style of abundance and even delicacy which for the place might be considered as extraordinary the greater part of the provisions were cold intimating they had been prepared at some distance and there were some bottles of good french wine to relish pasties of various sorts of game as well as other dishes i remarked that macgregor while doing the honours of the table with great and anxious hospitality prayed us to excuse the circumstance that some particular dish or pasty had been infringed on before it was presented to us you must know said he to mr jarvie but without looking towards me you are not the only guest this night in the macgregor's country will doubtless ye will believe since my wife and the tar lads would otherwise have been most ready to attend you as well beseems them bailie jarvie looked as if he felt glad at any circumstance which occasioned their absence and i should have been entirely of his opinion had it not been that the outlaw's apology seemed to imply they were in attendance on diana and her companion 
whom even in my thoughts I could not bear to designate as her husband, while the unpleasant ideas arising from the suggestion counteracted the good effects of appetite, welcome, and good cheer, I remarked that Rob Roy's attention had extended itself to providing us better bedding than we had enjoyed the night before. Two of the least fragile of the bedsteads, which stood by the wall of the hut, had been stuffed with heath, then in full flower, so artificially arranged that, flowers being uppermost afforded a mattress at once elastic and fragrant cloaks and such bedding as could be collected stretched over this vegetable couch made it both soft and warm the baby seemed exhausted by fatigue i resolved to adjourn my communication to him until next morning and therefore suffered him to betake himself to bed so soon as he had finished a plentiful supper though tired and harassed I did not myself feel the same disposition to sleep, but rather a restless and feverish anxiety, which led to some farther discourse betwixt me and MacGregor. End of Volume 2, Chapter 17 Recording by Felicity Campbell, Whanganui, New Zealand